Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And uh, to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything that you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our Retirement Rescue Game Plan, which is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can simply order that by going to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. You go to that site, you put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, all you have to do to get that fantastical rescue game plan is go to warrenwealth.net. All right, so... um, here we are in the midst of a fall and the leaves have changed. It's my favorite time of the year and uh, it's uh, things are, are moving right along. The air is crisp and I'm in, I'm enjoying uh, myself. The leaves are, are, are um, accumulating in mm-hmm. my, in my yard yeah. and I'm in this conundrum because I'm like, should I start, you know, cause my tree still has a lot of leaves on it Okay. and I don't know what the protocol is, is to wait till they all fall down and then start to uh, rake them bad boys up or in my case, get someone to rake uh, those <laughs> leaves up Right. or does it make sense to do it now and then four or five times all the way through the fall, mm. which I'm not sure. I don't know what the correct protocol is. I don't know what my neighbors are going to be happy with because in my cul-de-sac, I'm really the only um, yard um, that has all the, the leaves this big up. old mm. huge tree in the ah, front. Okay. The rest of them, they really aren't uh, um, ad- adhering to the uh, homeowners association. You're supposed to have a, 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 at least one tree uh, and a lot of them are uh, they're rebelling and they have rebelled Mm. for for a long time they've planted these uh, half trees that just don't really grow why mine for the last um, you know 20 or 15 or so years you know is is huge and so and I'm I'm the one who has to deal with the leaves so these are some um, these are some first world problems yeah they are yeah we've got going on right now I guess they are but uh, I still don't know the protocol should I should I rake them bad boys now and then later depends on how you know how much of a pile you've got up up front and I mean does it I know but what's what what's the threshold I mean you know, I don't know. Two inches off the ground? I don't know either. Okay, there you go. All right, anyway, um, let's get into some money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. <laughs> All right, so one of the things that uh, I want to do today is I want to do what I call a callback, right? But first I want to start, and I want to talk uh, a little bit about um, tulips, uh, does anyone remember the uh, pandemonium um, over tulips uh, back in the 1600s? 
No, no, no one reads uh, history. Um, uh, I expect, you know, especially you over there, do you probably haven't heard of it because it's not really taught um, uh, in in school because it's it, it's more of those things that you learn when you're um, in the investment arena about, you know, these different bubbles that that pop up. And most people probably remember the tech bubble and things of that nature. But way, way, way before that, there was the um, the Dutch tulip bubble. And what basically happened was um, the uh, it was called tulip mania uh, back then. And uh, for those who don't know, it was one of the most famous crashes uh, of all time. Uh, but it but it occurred in Holland, like I said, in the mid 1600s. And uh, people just got excited about um, tulips. Right. And why did they do that? Well, tulips first appeared in Europe uh, around that time. Um, and it really became a, a symbol of, uh, the rich, right? People thought they, you know, they saw this exotic flower and, uh, they hadn't seen anything like it before. And, uh, to no surprise, it became a luxury item, right? And then it seemed to transition over to, you know what, everyone wanted this luxury item. So this demand for this flower just grew for no reason whatsoever, just because it's that supply demand thing. And then it's like this tulip, this flower, you know, what's going on? People want it. No really uh, true valuation behind it. People just wanting uh, uh, the tulips. And so what happened? So, um, you know, well, number one, tulips would, it's interesting because it's not like some of the the crazes we, we, we've had in the past, you mm-hmm. know, like gold bugs, you know, people who, who love gold, they, they call them gold oh, bugs, okay, by okay. the way, you looked at mm-hmm. me like, what's a gold yeah. bug? But uh, that was a nickname for all these people who okay. were mining gold and then all that, the prospecting stuff. Um, because at least that, that's going to last forever. These things would die. They're fragile. They're flowers. Right. They would yes. die. But it doesn't matter when there's pandemonium and um, craziness in the air. Um, people just, just, just jump on it. And so basically a single bulb could be, uh, worth, um, I think they were, uh, they were called Florins. The, the, the currency was Florins, okay. but it was four to 5,500 Florins back in the day. Um, which, uh, and Florins were basically gold coins of, of, of a certain weight back, back then anyway. Um, and as it's kind of hard to estimate how much it would have been in today's, uh, dollars, but, uh, a lot of people say that, you know, it would have been, uh, equal to the value of a mansion, um, on, uh, um, in Holland, Amsterdam's grand canal. So people were okay. going crazy for it. Yeah. And then eventually that bubble burst because there was no really true value behind a flower that you would get and it would die in a few what days weeks I don't even know how long tulips last but the bottom line is that they were fleeting and so why do I bring this up I bring this up and I said this was a callback I bring this up because last week I talked about cryptocurrencies Right. And I talked about the crypto craze. And I mentioned that there were right now there were fifty nine hundred cryptocurrencies that were currently out there. And then I said, oh, no, there's fifty nine hundred and one because a new crypto had come onto the market and it was based on the Netflix show Squid Game. Mm-hmm. And they called it Squid. OK. 
And so let's, let's fast forward just, just one week, like I talked about it last week. Yeah. And let's forward to this week. And just like I said about the crypto craze, just like what happened uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the tulips and with these, sometimes this dot-com bubble, there are a lot of fakers, right? And one of the risks that I mentioned last week was that there is no regulation for these cryptos. They can just come out. Dogecoin was started on a joke. And then the Squid Game coin came out. And come to find out that Squid Game was a sham, right? The Squid, uh, I'm sorry, the Squid Coin uh, mm-hmm. was a scam, right? And so what happened is... Uh, these exchanges that had uh, the cryptocurrency squid uh, uh, on it, uh, they've realized that whoever um, uh, invented it, uh, they stole millions from investors. So they came up with this coin based on a popular fad. Yep. It worked. The pandemonium set in just like the tulips back in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. People bought it and bought it. And for no reason, just because of this crypto craze that people are in right now and they'll basically <laughs> almost buy anything. Right. Right. And that is what happened. And of course they are left holding the bag because the, um, the people who put it out just took the money and, and they ran. And it's interesting because um, one of the platforms that's called Binance, they admitted, they admitted that scams like squid are difficult to detect or stop before they become too big because of these blockchain networks like Ethereum, um, uh, Binance, what I just mentioned, they're open source. What does that mean? That means that they don't have any control or influence over projects that are built on this network, right? And I'm going to say this again. People don't understand or even know what crypto is. I feel that I am a fairly educated individual who has spent a lot of time trying to understand the Bitcoin and crypto and Ethereum and blockchain. And I've read a lot of publications, a lot of white papers, and I still don't feel like I have a grasp on what this is. And so, um, you know, it's one of those things that I think is is going to uh, continue to happen. Uh, just like during the, the, the dot-com era, there are a lot of people who... Uh, if, if you put .com after your name, uh, you got a lot of investors um, and your stock prices would go up based on nothing. And I basically see a lot of the same things with uh, uh, this, uh, this cryptocurrency. And so I want to just review some of the risks that I talked about last, uh, last week. All right. Um, number one, just like I said, they can be difficult to value. Right. You, with, with a stock, you can value a stock because at least there's management, balance sheets, revenues. Uh, you can look at the products and services and see if they've been successful. Um, you can look at their historical data uh, for, for some of them, for some of them. Right. Or real estate. Real estate's a hard, tangible product. You, you can basically get uh, comps in the area that you're thinking about buying in, so forth or so on. Crypto, it's tough to value because uh, you can't touch it. It, it, it's not there. It doesn't have a long history, right? Um, I said it's not supported by the bank. Well, fully supported by the banking system, right? You're starting to see that change a little bit, but it's not supported by the banking system. Um, and then, of course, just the main thing, and I want to hit on it again, the lack of regulation. There isn't much regulation of this crypto market. It's the wild, wild west. 
a number of cryptocurrencies and crypto exchanges, uh, and pretty much anyone can make a coin, just like they did with Squid. Um, they can make that offering without going through any kind of vetting process that a publicly listed company would have to go through. Um, and the, regula- the regulatory environment is uh, trying to change all that, and maybe it was speeded up simply because of uh, this recent uh, uh, Squid debacle, but I highly doubt it. But um, just understand that, um, you know, you are jumping into a lot of risk and you can't get caught up in the hype. Do your research. Get educated on these things. I for for the people that I talk to, I say, you know what, if you want to dip your toe in that water, uh, put in the money that only the money that you can afford to lose. Because if you're and and if you're retired, I wouldn't even probably step uh, in that direction because, um, you know, it, it's just it's it's way too risky uh, to um, to put your money that you've worked you know thirty forty years on the line. I just you know I, I hate to say that I was a soothsayer and I gave you those risks and those warnings last week, and then bam! And I specifically talked about Squid, mm-hmm. right? This new yes. one that came out, Squid, and how stuff is unregulated and a week later. Wonk, wonk, wonk. There you go. What can you do? Yeah. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to jump into some emails. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. Here we go. This is Joni Mitchell. <laughs> this is a big yellow taxi. This came out in 1970, by the way. Okay. Number 24 in the U.S., number 11 in the U.K. Hmm. All right. Um, and why are we playing this song? It's her birthday. Yes. She uh, still alive? Yes, she is. Uh, she is 78 years young. Oh, okay. There you go. There you are. She wrote the song in Hawaii after she took her first trip to Hawaii, is what she says. Okay. Yeah, pretty nice. good. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. You put in your information and you will receive... The Retirement Rescue Game Plan, which will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right, you know what it's time for? It's time for some emails. Yes, it's email, email time. It's time to check the mail. Hey, listeners, if you have a question for Marcus, you can now leave us a message on the Ask Marcus line. How does it work? Call 502-622-1337 and leave a message with your question. If it's a good one, it might be featured on the show. Just call the Ask Marcus line. It's 502-622-1337, and you might hear your question on the show. Let's go. Today's question, uh, first question is from Marianne. She says, I retired in June this year, and I haven't had to take any money from my retirement accounts yet. We've been living off of my husband's income. I have all of my retirement savings, almost $600,000, in my 401k. 
Should I move this to a Roth? Um, that is a great question. Uh, I talk about this in workshops, um, uh, the webinars uh, that I've done, and really whenever I meet with people in my office, uh, because most retirees today, they have the vast majority of their savings in these tax-deferred accounts, like their 401ks, their IRAs, and uh, other company retirement plans. And these accounts have never been taxed. Uh, and they will be taxed whenever you take the money out, and they're taxed at whatever those tax rates are uh, at the time. And so around the office, we, we call these uh, ticking tax time bombs. Um, we know taxes in the future that they will inevitably go up. Um, number one is they expire. These current tax cuts, they expire at the end of 2025. Um, and really right now we are living in a very low tax rate environment. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's been a hot topic as of lately, especially as we're approaching the, the midterms uh, here in the next year. Um, or just simply because we have this, uh, these, uh, economic, uh, packages that, uh, the administration is, is trying to pass. And there's some, uh, uh there's some increased taxes that are there, uh, in the books, albeit they say they are just for the rich, but, uh, we shall see, um, how that starts off. So anyway, um, you know, now all these factors, they, they do create a perfect opportunity, uh, to implement smart tax planning. Now you have to be strategic with it. Um, just like I said, there's legislation coming down the pipe, but we already know that these tax cuts expire at the end of 2025. And so if you're not being as proactive as possible, then you could be leaving money on the table. Now, for you specifically, uh, Marianne, uh, this may seem like it's you know the perfect year to complete a Roth conversion uh, because your income is lower this year than it was in the past. Um, and it gives you some wiggle room uh, in your tax bracket to make some income shifts. Um, so I can't give you, I cannot give you a specific yes or no uh, without looking at your tax situation. Uh, but generally uh, speaking, um, you know, it would be a good idea to systematically uh, transition money from that tax deferred bucket to the, the tax free bucket. Um, and actually we're, we're in tax planning season right now for, for, for our firm. Um, and we complete these evaluations uh, for our clients uh, every time around this year. So um, if you're looking to do a Roth conversion, remember this, that it has to be done before uh, the end of the year. All right. Um, so um, if you'd like any assistance, uh, we can uh, potentially work with you um, and run uh, some analysis and see uh, what the best route uh, to take in regards to that Roth conversion is. But if you just go to warrenwealth.net, you can schedule uh, a quick phone call with me and we can decide whether uh, you should make this move now. So there you go. All right. What else we got? Okay. Next one is from Paul. Uh, he says, what's a good way to invest money that we'll likely use to buy a rental property in about three years? He said three years seems like too long to just have it sitting in the bank, but not long enough to have it in the market. And you are absolutely right. Um, um, yeah, the best thing to do with money that you need soon is uh, you need to find something that's relatively uh, safe. Um, you know, the market has been doing well. If you go back over the last three years to now, um, you know, if you would have done it three years ago, you would probably be better off. But um, now moving forward uh, and trying to look ahead three years, who knows? Uh, you could be up, you could have the same amount of money, or you could be down, right? There's three things that could happen to your money, right? And so um, 
But if you uh, are needing it for uh, that rental property uh, within that three-year time frame, I would pretty much proceed uh, with with caution. Um, you know, try to look for. It's tough to find good rates out there on, on any kind of you know money market accounts or any kind of uh, short-term bonds or anything like that. But um, that's what I would look at. I, I would look to, to keep it safe and get a, a modest rate of return. Um, you know, the, uh, the way that interest rates are right now, which is it, just going to be tough. And, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, there's a common misconception uh, about investing um, uh, in regards to, you know, the fact that, hey, I can put it in for three years and, you know, I can put it in the market. And after that three years, it should be up. No, no, no. There's a lot of risk that's involved in the market. Um, it could be up, but um, if you need it, I would probably suggest that you look for some other alternatives. I mean, if you're looking for big gains in a short amount of time, then you have to take on more risk and you could potentially lose a lot of money. Um, but in your case, Paul, uh, you know, you just need to have a plan for what you're going to do with that, that money uh, for the next three years. Like I said, I would be, I would err on the safe side um, or heck, what? Why are you waiting three years? Why not look at uh, seeing what you can get with the money you have now? Uh, interest rates are historically low. Um, you didn't give me the the dollar amount that that you have, but um, you know, see if you can uh, use whatever you have now for for a down payment uh, on that rental property, and you might be in good shape and, and start getting some cash flow uh, within that three year time frame instead of waiting. Um, if you need some more specific, uh, if you have any more specific questions. Um, you know, just give me a call or actually just go to warrenwealth.net and then schedule that call and we can uh, see what, see what uh, we can do for you, see what options you have. Yeah, I think that's one of the um, worst things that you could do as an investor is look at historical returns and assume you're going to make the same historical returns going forward because it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I do this example in my uh, workshops where um, I'll talk about a three-year investment. Actually, mm-hmm. this is almost perfect. Yeah. I'll use a three-year example where I'll say, hey, wouldn't everybody love to have a mutual fund uh, that uh, over the last three years has averaged 11%? And everyone's like, oh yeah, that sounds fantastic. And then I do the math associated with um, that uh, uh, getting that, uh, averaging that 11% over the three years. And uh, the results and the illustration is quite jarring because we start off with a certain amount. We start off with $100,000 and we go out three years and the person has less money than what they started with, even though the mutual fund company uh, will say, and that fund, that hypothetical fund that we talk about has averaged 11%. And that's simply because, and I don't want to get into it too, uh, too deep here, but that's because there are things that are called uh, percentage-weighted uh, returns, and then there are dollar-weighted returns. And it's really about how your dollar would perform. So you can't look at uh, three-year numbers, uh, Paul, and think, oh, this mutual fund has averaged 11% over the last three years. I can jump into that uh, when you actually could be in that fund during that time frame. The fund says it's averaged 11%, but you actually have less. Um, and so if you actually, if you want to see that illustration, you know, you need to go to our website and see when I'm doing my, my next, uh, um, workshop mm-hmm. and you can, uh, sign up and I generally do that, uh, in hour number two. <laughs> anyway, um, let's do one more. Okay. Next email is from Bob. He says, I, it's a long workshop, you know, it is a long workshop. Yes. But good information. 
Oh yeah, fantastic information. It's worth every what is it? Uh, hundred and uh, uh, the cost fifty minutes. Mm. Oh okay, yeah. worth of every. gold. Mm-hmm. Hundred and fifty minutes worth of gold. Oh yeah. Anyway, go yes, ahead. Good Sorry. stuff. Okay, Bob says I had to borrow about two hundred. Uh, two hundred. I had to borrow about twenty thousand dollars from my four hundred one k to pay bills last year. I still owe about half of it, and I'm considering taking a new job offer. I know there are tax consequences. Uh, for leaving with a loan on my 401k, what sort of hit am I looking at? Um, you know, generally, I don't recommend borrowing from your 401k, um, you know, in really any circumstance because you're taken away from retirement. I mean, obviously, if there's some super emergency, um, I said super emergency, mm-hmm. uh, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. If there's, you know, circumstances are dire, then it might make sense. But um you know, generally speaking, it's a good idea to have an emergency fund first um, and use that for emergencies. And or, then, super or, emergencies. or super emergencies, right. And then um, if you need to, then before you take money out of a, a retirement account. Um, when you leave a company where you have a 401k with an outstanding loan uh, that you're not able to pay back, it gets counted as a distribution to you. That means that it gets added to all of your other income and is taxed at your highest marginal tax rate. On top of that, um, getting taxed on, on that loan amount, uh, you, if you're under 59 and a half, then you get tacked on that 10% early withdrawal penalty. Um, and if you find yourself having to borrow money to make ends meet, uh, you really should consider analyzing your budget to see whether you should you know, downsize, make adjustments. Um, so, um, or at the very worst, um, consider, uh, adjusting your contributions to your 401k so you can take more money home and, uh, use that for whatever bills you have. Uh, so you don't have to borrow uh, from your 401k down the line. Um, you know, uh, the old adage, you know, pay off your debts, only spend what you can afford. Uh, you know, you should, you know, borrow uh, to, uh, from your 401k if you don't have to. But if you want more specific guidance, Bob, just uh, go to warrenwealth.net. Schedule that call with me. All right. There you go. All right. Coming up next, we are going to dive into some more uh, financial hot topics. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Oh, yeah, we're getting uh, funky on this Sunday. Oh, yeah. This is good. Do you uh, happen to know uh, what this song what, what this song is, by the way? Play that funky music. <laughs> yes, this is by uh, Wild Cherry. Okay. Came out in 1976. All right. And... Uh, it was number one in the U.S., number seven in the U.K. Nice. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. For some reason, I always thought this was like Casey and the Sunshine Band. Hmm, okay. But, um, you know, Wild Cherry, I guess, you know. They're all right. Not bad. Yeah. So anyway. Not bad. In the midst of the disco craze of the 70s, which I, by the way, loved. Yeah, bell bottom pants. You know, I was, I mean, uh, big, big collars. Slash toddler thing. Oh, okay. However, <laughs> you know, Disco music ball. is timeless, oh, but yeah. I like it. I like it. Big hair. Yeah, anyway. All right, welcome back to the show. 
the Marcus Warren show. And so, um, you know, what I want to talk about now is, you know, I really, you know, really want to get into, you know, a few different things in relation to the market. So I want to start with this. Let me, let me ask you a question. Um, have you ever heard of the saying that a rising tide mm-hmm. lifts all boats in relation to the stock market? Right. You probably mm-hmm. heard of that. Yeah, I don't know course. if the listeners have heard of that. Yes. A rising tide lifts all boats. And so what do I mean by that? What I really mean is this, is that your broker, your advisor, they're not that smart. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer, neither are you. And so the rising tide lifts all boats in relation to the stock market basically means that whenever the overall market is up um, and you have stocks and a lot of stocks, whether deserving or not, generally they tend to go up too. However, what we have come to find out is when that tide comes back in, that's basically when you find out who has been swimming naked, right? And Warren Buffett said that when the the rising tide lifts all boats, but when that tide comes back in, that's when you realize who has been swimming naked. And you may also have heard that timing the stock market is a loser's game. It's a losing game. And that most investors, they cannot successfully do it. Now, <laughs> knowing this is one thing, but it does not stop people from attempting to do it. I talk to a lot of uh, investors and um, individual investors and do-it-yourselfers all the time. And although they agree when I say you can't time the market, they all shake their head like, yeah, 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 we know, we know, we know. But they all attempt to do it. Now, I always say, um, before you try to time the market, you need to understand that there's more at stake than just missing the bottom of a crash or the the top of a a bull market run-up, right? And really... If you, if you think about it, over the years, if you try to time the market, it can cost you a lot of money. So um, the bottom line is this. Look, I know that investing can be, um, actually, no. Investing is emotional. When you invest, um, you know, you're usually doing it with an end goal in mind, right? Maybe that goal is retirement. Or you're saving so that you can buy a house, so forth or so on. We, you know, we, we had that guy who, in, in the uh, previous segment, the emailer mm-hmm. who said, yes. hey, I want to invest for three years to get a rental home, whatever yep. that is. But investing during bull markets when prices are going up and increasing, it can make you feel successful, right? As you see the value of your investments grow, you know, your chest is poking out and you're feeling pretty good, right? Um, however... Um, no, no, as the market's still growing, you do feel good about yourself and, and you think that your financial security is not in any danger, right? The better the stock market does, the more fun you have participating in it. So you know what you do when the market is continuing to go up and up and up, you know what you do, D you buy, mm. you continue to buy, okay. right? Yeah. Even as Why not? the stock market, your investments, mm-hmm. even as they become more expensive. Oh yeah. Right. That's Cause you're right. feeling 
good about yourself, mm-hmm. right? You're feeling good. I'm making good investment choices. Things are going up. So I'm going to continue to buy and buy and buy, even as things are becoming more expensive. Now, conversely, investing during uh, a bear market or when the market is going down, it gives you different emotions like anxiety and, and fear uh, because you plan on eventually using that money that's you have invested, but watching it decline uh, during a down market, it, it's, it's tough. It's difficult. It's hard. You know, it may even set off um, the alarm, you know, like uh, Beyonce, right? Set off the alarm. I wish, mm-hmm. I, had, I, wish I had that drop. Yeah. Ring know. the alarm. Ring the alarm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it rings the alarm. Um, and if they ring the alarm loud enough and the threat to your livelihood seems imminent, then what do you do? You react emotionally and you sell out, mm, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now, this method of investing, it, it, it may feel good, but it's the exact opposite of what you should do, right? Instead of buying when investments are trading at low prices and then selling them when they're trading at high prices, because of these emotions, you end up buying in when you're feeling good at the high prices and then you sell them because you're feeling bad and fearful and that anxiety sets in when they are tanking. And you may think that selling out of your investments will prevent you from losing money. You know, when it's down, it's like, oh, it's going down, it's going down. Let me just get out so I don't lose any more money. But the time that you spend out of the market it may make you miss out on some very important trading days, which, by the way, can cost you a lot. So how much exactly? How much exactly? So I want to uh, take this time to put out some numbers for you and give you an idea of what's really going on. So think about this. So say you have invested $10,000 in the S&P 500, right? And you invested that. We'll, we'll, we'll go back um, uh, to January 3rd, 2000, right? And <clears throat> you left it completely invested and we'll go all the way through, we'll go through the end of 2019, right? So if you would have done that, you had you would have received, look, you put it in, in, in January 3rd, 2000, the beginning of 2000, and you left it until the end of 2019. You would have received an annual average return of about 6%, right? So that basically means this, that you're, $10,000 would have grown to about a little over $32,000. Now, this 20-year period of time basically includes about 5,000 days during which the stock market was open, all right? I'm going to repeat it because, you know, I, I, this is radio. It's tough to get a grasp on it. And plus, um, you know, I project on the way that I learn things, which is a little bit slow, but I'll say that again. So you put $10,000 in for basically 5,000 trading days and you left it in there. You didn't take it out. You didn't do anything. You, your average annual return was 6%, right? $10,000 grows to $32,000. Now let's do this. Let's say that you let these emotions creep in and let's just say this, Hey, what would have happened if I would have missed out on just the 10 best days out of those 5,000 days. Just the 10 best days of the market. I missed those days because I got scared. I put my money out, but then I, the very next day, um, 
the market was up and I missed out on those 10 best days. Now, think about this. What if I missed the 10, I'm, I'm sorry, what if I missed the 20 best days mm. over those 5,000 days? What does that look like? I'm going to tell you. All right, so like I said, you stayed invested, you're ready to go. Uh, if you would have stayed invested in the market, you would have averaged 6% over that full 10 years, full 5,000 days. However, if you missed the best 10 days, your $10,000 would have just grown to $16,000 and your average annual return would have been 2.4%. And that's just missing out on 10 days of 5,000 days. You missed out on the best 10 days of 5,000 days. Your return went from 6% uh, annual average return to 2.4% average annual return. Now, what if you would have missed out on the 20 best days during that 5,000 days? Well, your $10,000 would have grown to $10,176, right? So what is that? That means your average annualized performance was 0.08% because you missed out on the best 20 days of 5,000 days. And let's just jump to what if you would have missed out on the best 60 days, the best two months Time frame, 60 days out of 5,000 days. If you would have missed out on that, you would have lost money. Your $10,000 would now be $2,331 for an average loss each year of 7%. So do you see what I'm saying? You can't time the market. You understand this. Beating the stock market is hard. When you're out of the market, you might feel safer because it's when it's going down. But you know what? You risk missing out on the gains. For example... Let's think about this. So the stock market bottomed out, bottomed out on March 23rd of 2020, right? It lost about 30% in 16 days. It hit its bottom March 23rd, 2020. If you've been waiting for the perfect investment opportunity and say you delayed putting money in because you believe that the stock market would go down further, then you would have missed out on about 67% worth of market returns from the bottom. No one knows, especially when you're in the middle of it, you know, in the middle of the pandemic back in March 23rd of, of 2020, people didn't know which way was up. I got calls from uh, conservative investors who didn't really have hardly any money in the market who were scared to, I don't know what. And of course, a lot of people were like, get me out, jump out, jump out. And the do it yourselfers were definitely out. And if you tried to time it and thought you were smart and thought you could just wait and wait until the perfect time, you missed out on 67% of upward moving market. See, you know, I, I, I know this because people have the, the, these, these, uh, these wins, right? You know, if and when you time the market correctly, it, it's exciting and you feel good about yourself. But the risk of getting it wrong is so much greater. I mean, of course, I'm not a soothsayer and no one can be 100% certain of what the stock market is going to do. And I'm one of the ones who will admit it, right, that I don't know what the market's going to do. But because of this, time in the market is a lot better than trying to time the market, right? Time in the market is a lot better than trying to think you are a quasi-investment manager or George Soros or Warren Buffett and that you think you know what the market's going to do. You want to know why? Because you do not. 
Instead of playing the guessing game, you need to focus on strategies like asset allocation, diversification, and then, of course, having a principal protection program. This basically will help you reduce your portfolio risk, enhance your investment returns, and help you stay invested in the long term. All right, that's what you have to do. Stay invested for the long term. That's it. It's as simple as that. All right. And that's what we do for a lot of our clients. So anyway, all right, I'm done with my rant. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to jump into some news you can use and news you can't use. This is the Marcus Warren Show. All right. Um, here we go. So now this is KC and the Sunshine Band. This is like Get Down Tonight. <laughs> We're in the disco mode. Oh, yeah. came out in 1975. Okay. Height of Disco, number one in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Number 21 in the U.K. I didn't really like disco over there. Well, there's not this song. You know, it is what it is. So, there you go. It's good stuff, though. I like disco. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. And um, last segment, I was talking about how you can't time the market and I ran across this uh, statistic um, that basically uh, said that if you go all the way to almost the, the beginning of the market, for the most part, the beginning of the market, so we're going back to the 30s all the way through now, basically, if you would have missed out on the best 100 days of the market, All right, so we're going back to the 1930s, and we're saying 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 90s, and then all of the 2000s, 10s, and, well, a couple of years of the 20s, and we're just just 2020. So that is, it's not quite 100 days, it's 91, oh, no, it's, it's, uh, actually, it is, it's, it's, um, um, uh, about a, actually, it's about a thousand days. I'm sorry, because it's 10 days per. No, it's actually 10 days per decade is what I'm looking at. Okay. Excluding the best 10 days per decade. So that's 100 days. And then, of course, 2020 would, wouldn't be the full 10 days, but it excludes the 10 days of 2020. Okay. All right. Are you with me? Yes. Are you with me? We're excluding 10 days each decade. Yep. And if you would have stayed invested from 1930 mm-hmm. to now, yeah. you would have a 17,700% return. All right. If you've missed the best 10 days of each decade, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So about 100 days, 100 days mm-hmm. you would have a return of 28%. Oh, man. That is huge. That is huge to me. So I had to bring that up because I'm like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. You know? It's you can't <laughs> time the market. Yeah, you can't cannot. time the market. And the, what, what, what made me think of it, and I know I'm, I'm cutting into to the news and the news you can't use that everybody loves, but what, what made me think of it was a potential client that I was talking to. He uh, retired. He had a bunch of money in his IRA, and he 
switched it all over to he did a big Roth conversion he moved it all over to the Roth he had been listening to us and he decided to do it himself because he's a do-it-yourselfer and he moved over a significant amount of money all in one fell swoop over to his Roth okay and of course when you do that you have a big tax bill a Mm -hmm. huge tax bill and he messed it up a little bit and he admits that he messed it up and uh and so he had to you can't recharacterize anymore either he he screwed up he he had to pay a, a big huge tax he had to uh uh, what is it called? Uh, 1040X. He had amend. to uh, he had to amend mm-hmm. his, his his return. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to do all these things, but he finally got it together. And he thought, okay, I had to pay all these taxes. Now I'm down of what I thought I was going to have. So you know what a solution was? Probably like forty percent, right? Know, <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what a solution mm-hmm. was? What to invest a hundred percent into the stock market because you okay. could make it back as quick as possible. Ooh. Okay. And you know the thing is, you know. Love the guy. He's a decent guy. He's in the automobile industry. Okay. But he's not a money manager. Yeah. But he thinks he is now. Okay. You want to know why? Because hmm. it, it, wor- it ended up working out. Yeah. Right? He did it a few years ago. Yeah. And he put his money in the market. And the market has, like I said, a rising tide lifts all boats. And it actually worked out for him. He yeah. actually has made some money. So he's, he's, he's done well. Mm-hmm. Right? And the whole thing is, is that he is not Warren Buffett. But he has this false confidence now thinking that he is a market timer and he's an elite stock picker, right? And it's unfortunate because just like I said, when that tide comes back in, he is going to find out that he has probably been swimming naked. And that is unfortunate. Let's get into some news you can use. All right, the real estate company Zillow announced that it is throwing in the towel on a program in which it bought, renovated, and resold homes itself. Bet you didn't know Zillow did that. Bet you just thought Zillow was that website. But they uh, had a service called Zillow Offers uh, in which they were eye-buying. Everything's got an eye before it now, I guess. Yeah, it does. Instant buying, um, where they basically uh, sold or purchased houses for lower than uh, the value or the asking price. um, And some sellers were eager to sell because they didn't have to go through showing the home and waiting for a while to sell it. So they ended up selling it for a lower price. Zillow would flip it, sell it. Make some money on yeah. it. However, the company just closed on Tuesday that it lost about $304 million in the third quarter from the program uh, after purchasing homes at higher prices than it now expects to sell them. It bought 9,600 homes, over just over 9,600 homes, and only sold about 3,000, about a third of them. Yeah, they. Um, it was basically their, their side hustle. Yeah. And their side hustle went horribly wrong. It did. And from what I saw, too, they have to, they're now they're selling about 7,000 homes mm-hmm. um, that they need to unload. Yes. Um, and a lot of them for prices lower than what they lower purchased. Lower than, than mm-hmm. what they purchased. Yep. So um, flipping, I mean, yeah. telling you, I mean, I guess it's interesting because their, their, their algorithm. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, went wrong when it went, you said I buying, mm-hmm. right? So yes. it's all these algorithms digital. and mm-hmm. digital and all that stuff. And you know, just when you thought the the robots were going to win, yes, um, it didn't work out well, so much. He, here's what some <laughs> economists have said: the company's pricing algorithms work better in places where there's a lot of homes that are similar or cookie cutter homes. But when there's places where there's variation, like neighborhoods where there's variation or market areas where there's variation, it's a little bit tougher to figure out the right price. And obviously, like you said, their algorithm didn't work out so well. That's why when you buy real estate, and I, and I have a brother who is in the real estate, um, he's in the early stages. Um, 
And, you know, to me, it's about this. It's about knowing the risk that's involved before you get in over your head. And then it's also about, um, you know, having some sort of, of, of track record, right? You, you, you don't want to jump into all these projects and have this, you know, this like Zillow had this side hustle and just buy, 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 buy. How about you take a more measured approach mm-hmm. and, you know, do a few, you mm-hmm. know, have some successes, build up that track record, because then it just works out a lot better when you have a track record versus before you have uh, accomplished anything, um, you're just jumping in and buying and buying and buying. And yeah. it looks like that they thought, hey, we got this algorithm, we know what to do. And real We're estate done. is what's mm-hmm. called a... a a foot soldier um, business, meaning that you have to know the area, you have to know the yes. school districts, mm-hmm. you have to know the, the the neighborhoods if it's up and coming. What you know where what the property taxes are, yes. where you know that you, you hit the edge, you hit the other side of the railroad tracks. You have to know right. all of that stuff, and it's tough when you're an eye company yes. to get a really a lay of the land, um, or if you're trying to say. If we wanted to buy real estate in Arizona mm-hmm. and we saw a deal and it looked good, but we've never stepped foot in Arizona um, or and, and was able to see what's around and we don't right. know, oh, the, the, the multifamily unit we just bought or the apartment we just bought or the house we just bought is right next to a crack house and a cemetery. Right. Right? Yes. <laughs> you got to, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a foot soldier's job. Yes. Anyway. At least Google Earth it or something. Yeah, I mean. Look at the yes. surroundings. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Let's do one more and then we'll move on. Sure. Uh, Shares of the rental company Avis more than doubled on Tuesday in a sudden and unexpected surge that recalled earlier trading manias with GameStop, AMC, other meme stocks, Bed Bath and Beyond also attracted some interest in the meme stock episode. Yes. So the, the... Money or the stock movements were apparently linked to several factors, including some positive corporate announcements. Avis released some better than expected earnings. Bed Bath and Beyond announced a partnership with Kroger um, and updates about its stock uh, buyback program. But more importantly, this was another meme stock. So was Avis in the dumps or something? I don't know. Like it well, must be. Both Avis and Bed Bath and Beyond are popular targets for short sellers, yeah. which makes them appealing for um, some of these meme stock investors, okay. traders. That's right. Um, okay. Yep. So there we go. Shares in Avis opened up about 12% lower on Wednesday, the day after, but they still retained most of their previous day's rise, Bed Bath and Beyond. 50%, up 50%. That's the whole pump and dump or, um, you know, it, it's 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 just just like I was saying. It's tough Yeah. to try to find any kind of value or figure out what's going on um, because of all these. Mm-hmm. these um, from these, the cryptos from to the cryptos meme stocks. From cryptos to meme mm-hmm. stocks to just even individual stocks that, that, that you're looking at. And, you know, people Tesla. will... People will see a run up yes. in a stock and think, "Oh, I guess uh, you know the stock went up, yes. you know thirty, you know twenty percent right. in the last month. I guess it's too late it's for me to get late. in." Yes, I do but fall why, into that but trap. But why yes. would you, you just think pointed that? At me, sorry, for the <laughs> listeners who can't see, yes, why would you, you think that if if a stock has good yes. fundamentals? We talked right. about valuation, then you should be fine to get in because if. What, what is it? Facebook at, at one time, I'm sorry, Meta oh, yes. at one time was $38. Formally and then it known. dropped lower. It opened at 38 bucks uh, when, when it was an IPO, dropped down, mm-hmm. and if and then it ran up again. And if it went from 38 to, say, 100 bucks, people are like, well, I guess it's, I guess yeah, uh, it's, Facebook it's is course. too late. It's mm-hmm. run its course, and now we know where it is. Or Amazon. Same yes. thing with Amazon. Anyway, yep. um, I digress. But thank you, D, for that news. 
You can use, and we are running a little short on time, but that doesn't mean we're not going to give the people what they want. Because if we left with the news you can use, that'd be enough. But we tend to want to give you more. And that is why we always have to give you at least one news you can't use story. All right, well, I'll give you a good one since I can relate to this, and I think most listeners can. A Colorado search and rescue team said a hiker lost on a mountain trail for about 24 hours didn't answer his phone, the phone calls from the rescue team because he assumed they were spam. So Lake County <laughs> Search and Rescue said a report okay. came in about a hiker set out for a walk and hadn't mm. returned back to their companions at the, at the right time. The search and rescue team searched the area <laughs> until three in the morning before uh, calling okay. off the search. The team attempted to call the missing person's cell phone multiple times, several times, didn't answer. When they finally talked to him, he said basically he assumed he was being called by telemarketers. All right. That is, okay, a couple of things. One is don't lump yourself in with this guy. Like you said, I can relate. Oh, you yeah. can't relate. Well, have you ever been stranded? No. Okay. In, in the woods or somewhere? No. no. No, you have not. So you cannot relate to this not guy. Yet. By the way, this guy deserves to still be stranded. You know, half dead, thirsty, oh, and hungry, and cold out hey, in the wilderness. Hold on now. Because he didn't answer the phone. What? Yes. If you look, if you are stranded and you are calling for help, and then you don't answer the phone, that you don't answer the calls that come, or that are coming back into your phone, then you deserve to, to die stranded. in the woods. <laughs> that's it. That's you know I what? Say. If I'm done. I, you're right. Because if a scammer that's in, that's or insane. if a telemarketer had called me, I, I would have answered and said, hey, I'm, I don't want to buy whatever you're selling, but hey, help me out. I'm I stuck. generally keep my phone on any unidentified call. It immediately goes to voicemail. Yes. But if I am stranded in the woods, yes. I am turning that off and I am answering every call I can get. He's lucky. He yeah, is so lucky. He found his way By back. the way, after if, if 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 I'm a, I don't know the protocols for being you know one of these guys who yes. are on search and rescue. Yeah. But after about six or seven calls, I'm done. You yeah. Know, uh, too bad. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. should have answered. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Now it's just a search and recovery. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you, D. For that news you can't use. That was a good one. And we all know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.